In Your Element is made just for you, the listener. If you enjoy the podcast, consider visiting patreon.com slash inyourelement and supporting at the $1 level or above to receive all future episodes early and ad-free. Gain a Patreon-exclusive role in the In Your Element Discord server, where you can hang out and chat with myself and other elementalists, be eligible for giveaways, attend patron hangouts, and more. Now, on to the show. Welcome to episode 28 of In Your Element, a gaming podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Adler. Today, I'm joined by the editor-in-chief of the website Indie Ranger, Travis Lefevre. Travis, how are you doing today? Uh, you know, I'm just living my best life out here. Nice, man. How's everything been? Um, you know, I'm making my way through classes. I'm graduating in May. So, yeah, I'm about to get thrust Exciting. into the real world very soon. Oh, man. It's not it's not all it's cracked up to be. I'll tell you that much. Oh, I've heard. I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> Neither is school. So, I mean, I don't know. I, what yeah. do you what's the best way? Who knows? Sure. Um, anyway, for those who are unfamiliar with Indie Ranger, give us a bit about what the site's about and what you do. So Indie Ranger is a niche website where we cover and anything and everything pertaining to indie games and independent game development. So it kind of started out as like a class project. I had to do it for like a grade and I kind of just like really got into it. So Mm -hmm. it was just like one of those things that like I started because I had to, but I never stopped. And Yeah, so our content is strictly independent games. We try to kind of like go for the little guy as opposed to like the bigger indie games, even though we do do those. Mm-hmm. But like our main focus is oh, little guy. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I've been uh, obviously writing for you for about a month, a little more than a month now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been definitely getting more in tune with like a lot of those much smaller independent games, you know, because I yeah. a lot of the indie games that I gravitate towards are those like bigger you know mainstream indie games if you will yeah. um, and I, I hardly dip into a lot of the smaller ones uh, a lot of them being on steam uh, a platform which i don't generally gravitate towards uh for my daily use i usually will go on steam if there's like something really specific that i want to play but i i hardly go on there as like my primary console or or choice for gaming so there's so much out there man it's crazy oh, there's there's so much and so much of it gets kind of like bogged down that mm-hmm. And I mean, it's unfortunate that that's how it works, but it, it's it's a saturated market. And mm-hmm. so, Definitely. you know, we're doing the best we can with getting the word out. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's great to see, you know, a lot of those smaller uh, projects that people are working on that are so passionate uh, finally get some some light, you know, mm-hmm. see some of the light, which is great. Oh, for sure. Yeah. What have you been playing lately? Uh, so lately I've been playing a game called Ravenfield and Road Redemption. Nice. Those are, yeah, those are fun times for sure. Awesome. Anything else besides those? Uh, Mario Odyssey. I mean, okay, nice. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of YouTubers play it and they're like, oh, try this stuff. So I try this stuff and I ultimately fail miserably, but <laughs> But like, like speed they're running like, stuff or what? Like speed running stuff. Like yeah. you know, they do like these like challenges, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Like I watch a guy on YouTube. He tried to like fit a motorcycle into a manhole in New Donk City. And I tried to do that and it was horrible. <laughs> oh, man. I haven't popped in there in a long time, man. I went in for like the balloon multiplayer update thing. Yes. For a second. And then I was I jumped out. But I've been itching to go back and and explore again. Yeah, I'm still trying to get my way through the darker side of the moon. Oh my gosh, I gave up on that, man. That's 
I There's, made it to like right before the part where you become Bowser, and then yeah. I just, I just, I fell apart. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's such a difficult challenge to go through. I just, I had, I looked at it and I was like, "There's no reason I need to go through this right now and put myself through it." Especially because there's so much else to play. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I'm pretty satisfied with the gold cappy at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome, man. <laughs> cool. Uh, I've been playing a bit uh, just all over the map, actually. I finished up the uh, Resident Evil 2 remake on PS4. Oh, really? Yeah, that was uh, it was great, actually. I had I hadn't remembered if I played the original Resident hmm. Evil 2 or not. I feel like I recognize some aspects of it, but. I definitely did not own that game. If I played it, it was at a friend's house. So I have hardly any recollection of the game itself. Uh, yeah. So this was basically a new experience to me, which was very cool. Yeah, I never really got into the original Resident Evils. I uh, I, I guess I would put, put it on that I was just too young. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I, you know, like I was, what, what year did those come out? Like 90s? Yeah, yeah uh, mid to late 90s. They came out either right when I was born or before I turned four. So yeah, I don't. I've never seen a four-year-old <laughs> play a Resident Evil game, so I'm not going to blame myself on that one. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I think the first one that I actually remember playing and got into was Resident Evil Four, uh, really? which was which was very good. Yeah, for me it was six, and it wasn't the best introduction to Oof, the franchise. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the worst place to start. <laughs> well, because I was like, you know what? I want to pick up a Resident Evil game. Let's see how it goes. You know, yeah, like, I hear a lot of good things, and like the most recent one that came out at the time was six. So I was like, yeah. sure, why not? And like, I guess like for having never experienced Resident Evil, I thought it was all right. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I wasn't really swayed either way. I was like, okay, there's action and stuff, but now that like I see like you know I played Resident Evil Four and all stuff, I was like, wow, that's garbage. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting to go into that as your first one. I mean, not having any like preconceptions for that series. Mm. I wonder. I wonder uh, like going back to six because I had six and I I bought it. I was playing it with a buddy because we went through five like just in one sitting basically, mm. and then we're like. uh hyped up for six so we picked it up when it came out played through and we were both like is this bad and i was like yeah this is pretty bad so we just put it down i think we just returned it or like traded it in or something uh so i'm curious going back what that would be like it's like i'm, I'm just the worst when it comes to horror games yeah that's not my genre for sure like, i like horror films because they kind of force you to experience it but like if it's a game you're just like no i don't want to go down the hallway you don't have yeah. to yeah <laughs> yeah right i'm like you're i'm gonna like, stay no. in this room with the door closed and like out like outlast <laughs> i think i hid in the i think i hid in the locker for about a half hour <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh resident evil 2 uh surprisingly not that scary i was expecting it to just be like really bad like i was you know i'm gonna have mm. to play this with all the lights on and and i i <laughs> i didn't i played it with the lights off and i'm proud of myself uh no, it, but I, it was no no I, hmm? I was getting it confused with uh nemesis i was getting the games confused for a minute i was oh, like is that the one with the big guy who like messes you up and i was like no that's not the right one well there is a big dude in there that messes you up the tyrant oh. yeah oh, oh yeah yeah mr that's x right. <laughs> yeah he's yeah he was i mean he was more like nerve-wracking than he was scary because mm -hmm. you can hear his footsteps all throughout the uh area mm -hmm. and uh and then he'll just bust through a door like you know come lumbering down a hallway and you're like oh shit there's there's that boy i gotta leave so yeah it was <laughs> you end up just like that kind boy. of that boy yeah you end up just kind of like skirting around different areas to try and lose him but he was more like he ended up being more of an annoyance i think than he was scary um, but you know, there was definitely a couple moments that I, I was like, you know, jump scare scared, but 
nothing that was like really what I was expecting going in. I was like, I'm going to be losing my shit. I, I don't know <laughs> if I can finish this game because I don't I don't prefer like horror movies personally. Like I'll watch them, but it's not a genre that I like go to. Yeah, I, I enjoy a good horror movie every now and again. Mm hmm. Yeah, uh, games, uh, <laughs> I usually I usually uh, let everyone else watch it and then let me know if it, if it's good. You know, I don't mm -hmm. I don't want to just go sit through another like I, f I feel like I did watch a lot of like scary movies growing up and I kind of just like they all kind of started to blend together besides a lot of the like cult classic ones. But a lot of them were just kind of like cheap jump scares. So I kind of yeah. just lumped them all into that same category, even though I know there's you know quite a few standouts now over the past few years that I need mm -hmm. to check out. Yeah, yeah. I was feeling real ballsy one day and I was like, you know what? I'm going to get alien isolation. This will be a fun time. Oh, no. They also have lockers you can hide in. And you were in there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, the xenomorph is just something. To it's just a whole different thing to me. Yeah, oh. that's terrifying. I just watched the first alien movie, I think, for mm. the first time a couple years ago. I'd never seen it before. So, um, And like the game in itself, like. One of the horror tropes in games is that they have like these unnecessary crescendos and where <laughs> mm -hmm. the music just like it's really intense for no reason. Yeah. And it just makes you scared to do anything. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> like you just want to stay put where you are. Right. Like you could be armed with the flamethrower. It's like, no, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's besides from me, dog. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm going to pass on that one. Uh, besides Resident Evil 2, after I finished that up, I went and played Tacoma. Uh, are you familiar with Tacoma? I have heard of it, yes. So you, did you play Gone Home? I did not. Okay, so Gone Home is uh, a game that came out, I want to say 2013, and it was like basically a first-person, uh, like I guess, walking simulator type game. Is, is the best I can explain it. You're yeah. kind of like this girl going through a house and exploring. And it was like no one's in the house and you're like trying to investigate what happened to her family. And I was fully expecting that game to be like a scary game. I went in and, and it was actually a game I played on PC. And I was like, man, I'm just waiting for this jump scare. Everything's creepy. There's flickering. There's all of the stuff that would make a horror game uh, there. But then there was never any like jump scare. There's never anything scary. And that was like part of their like philosophy with the design of that game is that they kind of played with the players expectations of like what they thought the game would be. And it turned out yeah. to be something totally different. So it was great. Ha um, definitely recommend checking it out. Yeah, I love I, I love when um, your expectations just get totally subverted. Yeah, in a good way, in a good way. There have been some bad examples of that. Right. Yeah. So Tacoma is the the latest game that that's uh, from those folks. Um, at Fulbright Games, and uh, it's it came out last year, I believe, uh, and it was something that I definitely knew I would be playing at some point. I was just waiting for a sale, and especially because there was so much going on last year, gaming-wise, I was like, I don't know where I can fit this game in. Um, but it is relatively short, which is great. It's like a three-hour game, and it oh, takes place in space. Yeah, it takes place in space, which is like one of my favorite like areas to explore in games. And just movies and and in general, just medium. I love I love space. So oh yeah, uh, you're kind of investigating this space station uh, and the basically the this crew that disappeared. You have to kind of uncover the mystery of what happened to them, and you're kind of finding these like audio logs and piecing everything together yourself. Um, and it's it really is a very short experience, but it was very good. I enjoyed the story quite a bit. So Tacoma, 
good one. So like, is it, is it one of those? Um, because like you know, you said you have to kind of like, I guess, find out what's going on or whatever. Is mm-hmm. it like, are there like NPCs, or is it one of those things you have to like piece together just by like finding notes or logs or? So um, there are NPCs, um, but they are not there. They're basically like holographic video feeds mm-hmm. of what happened on the ship. So you're interacting with people, but they're not live in the person. Yeah. So it's it's uh it's interesting, but I don't want to give away too much because there's quite a bit of like story that goes with all of that. Um, that's kind of cool. So it's it's a good it's a good one. If I were to compare it to the two. I think I liked Gone Home better because I really had no idea of what was happening. And then this one, I kind of knew going in that it was likely going to be similar with, you know, a twist. The twist wasn't as great as the one in Gone Home was, in my opinion, either. So it was still worth checking out, though. If you Uh, like walking simulators. Yeah, I'm sorry. I I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, you're good. I wish I played like either of those so I can like really contribute to this. (laughs) Oh, it's okay. No worries, man. I I just mainly want to bring up what I was playing. But yeah, um, anyway, before we begin, I'd like to take a moment to let you know where you can find In Your Element online. My website is inyourelementpodcast.com. Find me on Instagram at inyourelementpodcast, on Twitter at IYEpodcast. And if you enjoy the podcast, consider visiting patreon.com slash inyourelement and supporting at the $1 level or above to receive all future episodes early and ad-free, gain a Patreon-exclusive role in the Inner Element Discord server, where you can hang out and chat with myself and other Elementalists, be eligible for giveaways, attend patron hangouts, and more. And if you have any gaming-related questions that you'd like me to answer, email me at hello at inyourelementpodcast.com. I'll answer your questions on the next episode of In Your Element. So let's kick it off with some news. News for this week, Nintendo just announced the next Nintendo Labo set is going to be a VR kit. There's going to be two versions available at launch. One is the full kit, which features the cardboard VR headset and all five of the Labo creations, including the blaster, camera, bird, elephant, and wind pedal. The full set will retail for $80, while there will also be a starter kit available for $40 that includes the VR headset and the blaster. The remaining VR kit expansions can be purchased at $20 for each pair, and they will be available for purchase on April 12th. Uh, what are your thoughts on Nintendo's light entry into the VR gaming space? Um, you know, it's it's weird because like on the one hand, it definitely felt like it was inevitable. Mm-hmm. Like they were going to do it. VR is the kind of big thing right now. Yeah. Like, like VR Battle Royale. Those are the two kind of like big blow up things that are happening right now. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I feel like I remember Nintendo at one point saying like, yeah, we're not really doing anything with VR right now. Yeah. So I'm at a bit of a crossroads. Um, I still find it very hilarious that Nintendo is selling cardboard. Oh, man. Have you tried Labo, <laughs> though? Have you I actually have tried it? All right. So I bought the first Labo kit, the variety kit, not the robot <laughs> one. Yeah. Um, mainly because I grew up with Lego and I was like stoked on building stuff. And I was like, man, this feels like a like a little like nostalgia trip sort of in a way. Yeah. Um, surprisingly, they were fun to put together. The uh, the actual experiences of using them and like the little mini games that came with each of them were like, I mean, they're clearly designed for children and they're like really intended to be short, quick experiences that you're, you know, kind of like a proof of concept, if you will, (laughs) just to like show you that you did it. Um, But the actual uh, building process was very intuitive. The software on there was like on the switch and it's just going and it's like live and you kind of like see little 
uh, images, everything kind of folding over and it, it guides you through it kind of like an I everyone relates it to like an Ikea catalog, but animated, <laughs> uh, which is it's it was fun. So I enjoyed doing it, but they are literally just sitting, you know, in a in a like crate in my office, never, never picking those up again to do anything with. So it's kind of a bummer, but I'm I'm a little intrigued by the VR stuff for sure. Yeah, I remember um, I was scrolling through uh, the wonderful world of Twitter and <laughs> with the announcement, someone went, uh, they're like, hey, Nintendo, make Pokemon Snap, you cowards. Yes, totally. <laughs> with that camera attachment, yeah. that would be a like stealth drop that would be just set the Internet on fire for sure. Oh, yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, I'm wait- I'm still waiting for Animal Crossing, but that's just me. Oh, for sure. I mean, we're getting that this year, so that can't be oh, too yeah. much further off. I'm sure we'll hear about it at E3 soon enough. Um, yeah. Did you did you ever play uh, with the Google Cardboard setup or like any of those little like mobile VR headsets? Um, I've played with them a little bit. My roommate, mm-hmm. my freshman year, had one, and he mm-hmm. was like, "Hey, check this out!" And yeah. essentially, what it was was he was just like you kind of just like slide your phone in and it's like a cardboard thing yeah Mm -hmm. and it was just like a video on youtube that was made for vr but like that was the Mm -hmm. most experience i've had with it okay yeah so i i bought that like google cardboard i don't know three years ago or whatever and uh yeah same thing you just slide your phone in there they actually made a bunch of apps though like games for ios that you could play that were designed for google cardboard in vr really yeah and there is um and they're you know a lot of them are just free like experiences that you can download and uh i i I would use that as kind of like a a thing to show off to people uh, when we had people over for like parties and stuff at our apartment uh my girlfriend loved it she was like this is incredible you know you just hold it up to your face and you're like in these little experiences one of them was like uh it, it kind of felt like a star fox type experience where you're like flying a ship and you're shooting it automatically fires and you just you're moving and tracking with your head, which is wild. Uh, and you're just trying to avoid stuff and you're like shooting shit that come, comes at you. But uh, I was like, you know, for for being a $15 piece of equipment, cardboard that you fold up and make into this thing and then pop your phone in like it was pretty fun. Like there was definitely like, a you know, an hour or two of time that was played with that stuff, which is effectively what this Nintendo Switch VR situation is. So I think it's. People are, you know, giving it shit because it's cardboard and like, what is this Nintendo? You're making it, you know, me put my switch on my face, whatever. (laughs) Uh, But I really do think that there's some value here for people who don't have the means to play real VR games, you know, via PC or uh, PSVR or something like that. That's quite a bit more expensive to get into. You know, oh, no, I, I can agree with that because I know um, <clears throat> things like the uh, Vive and whatever, they're like, what, 500 a piece? Yeah, and, and then you got to like, have the computer to run it, yep, which is that's, expensive. That could be, yeah, that could be pretty steep. So mm-hmm. from like an economic standpoint, I get it. I just I, I find the whole concept of it being cardboard just to be hilarious, though. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, you know, it's so Nintendo, though. It really is. Uh, so second piece of news, uh, Sony released the latest system software update for PS4 today bringing it to version 6.50. And usually these just contain bug fixes and aren't worth noting, but this update also included a new feature, Remote Play for iOS. This means you can stream your PS4 over Wi-Fi to your compatible iPhone or iPad. All you need to do is download the free Remote Play app from the App Store, connect it to your PS4, and you are good to go. Unfortunately, the app does not support the DualShock 4 controller, but it does work with other made-for-iPhone devices, like the the uh, Steel Series Nimbus controller, 
Otherwise, you'll have to resort to the touchscreen for control, which definitely is not ideal. Um, Travis, have you ever used remote play before? Do you have a PS4? I do, yes. Okay. And uh, remote play was another thing I discovered in my college years, uh, I think like two years ago. So mm -hmm. basically, I remember I had to sit a graveyard shift in my residence hall when I worked there. Mm -hmm. So like I was like sometimes it was like, uh, what, uh, midnight to 3.30. It wasn't horrible. Yeah. But like, it was still like kind of like a middle of the night thing. And what I used to do was I would like lug my entire PS4 down to the office and like hook it up and do all that. And mm -hmm. then someone was like, why don't you use like this remote play? And I was like, what's, Ooh, what's this? Like, you know, learning mm -hmm. about new things. Yeah. And I remember setting it up and I use it on my Mac and it, it worked great. It really mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I it's, able, I was able to use my dual shock and everything with the computer. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, it really does work well. You've got to have, you've got to have good Wi-Fi, of course, for that to yeah. stream well and not, and not be like, you know, kind of a laggy mess, but mm -hmm. um, I've used it from time to time as well to play uh, stuff at work. Like if I'm on my break, I'll just bring my Mac, hook up the DualShock 4 and play, which is a, a nice way to get through some stuff. I I did try and play uh, Destiny 2 on there, which isn't the greatest experience because you got to have a pretty stable connection for that. Mm -hmm. And if you're on like kind of spotty Wi-Fi, it's not a good experience for sure like <laughs> it was it, it became unplayable at points so I, I you know i would stick to games like uh i played a lot of the south park the fractured butthole on there just because that's <laughs> like a pretty like non not graphically intensive game or right. something where frames are moving quickly it's pretty like you know easy experience to navigate so uh it works well for those kind of games uh, mm, absolutely i was actually really surprised when i um used to use it i mean I, I still use it every now and again but not nearly as much now mm -hmm. but like when i did use it i was able to run uh ghost recon wildlands pretty solidly wow nice and that's like a pretty demanding game i would say yeah for sure it is yeah it's it's wild that it when it does work i mean it, it's for the most part it, it works really well um and if you've got a ps4 pro it'll stream uh 1080p over wi-fi and uh and i believe run at the full frame rate uh, whereas the base PS4, I believe, caps at 720 and it's going to be a little bit lower frame rate just to be able to support that image over Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. uh, but it 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 works really well. Um, and I remember the first time I ever used it was on my Vita, actually back with the first Destiny. I, I brought that into work and I was uh, showing my buddy, I like pulled my Vita out and all of a sudden I had Destiny and he's like, what? How are you playing that? Right. <laughs> I was like, I was like, it's remote play, baby. So it's uh <laughs> Yeah, I feel like Sony doesn't advertise this very well or at all because yeah, this is such a great remote players for the Vita. Yeah, it started on the Vita actually, and then it came to Mac and PC. That was like one of the uh, best reasons to get a Vita <laughs> or have a Vita now, be able to play That's your PS4. I might go get one now. I mean, yeah, the Vita is slept on, man. People, people uh, <laughs> sleeping on that. It's a great piece of hardware for sure. But yeah, that was like one of the one of the main reasons I used my Vita for a while was just, you know, you're about to go to bed. You just want to play something, mm -hmm. bring the Vita out and you're you've got basically all the controls there. It's got dual sticks. You just don't have the the uh, L2 R2. You have to use the weird like touch pad screen on the back. Oh, yeah. But most games like, you know, as long as you're not playing a shooter, you can get away with it. So, yeah, it's uh, it's nice. And being able to do that now on your phone is pretty cool. So, oh, yeah. I'm hoping there's some way that they can patch in support for the DualShock 4 somehow. But is, um, do you know if it's available for Android yet or is it just iOS at this point? At this point, it's only on iOS. They do. I did, did read earlier that there is an Android version, but people are having issues getting it to work. So I don't know if it's like officially ready to go or not. 
I guess I'll sleep on that for a little bit then. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But either way, I mean, I imagine it'll be sooner than later available on Android mm-hmm. as well, which is uh, exciting stuff. So uh, last bit of news is that EA will not be holding a press conference this year for E3. They will still be holding their EA Play event the weekend before E3, but they have opted for multiple live streams in lieu of the traditional press conference that showcases more upcoming games, gameplay, and developer talks. Uh, First, Sony announced they will not be holding a press conference, and now EA. Uh, Although Sony said that they will be absent from E3 completely, while EA will still be showcasing upcoming games. What are your thoughts on these changes to the E3 landscape? Um... You know, mostly when I watch E3, I don't really, I want to say I don't pay too much attention to EA and Sony, Mm -hmm. but like a lot of like, um, was it last year? A lot of my attention was diverted to like Bethesda yeah, and Fallout 76. Let's not talk about that, but uh, (laughs) let's not talk about that right now. That's a, that's a wound right there. Yeah. Like, but yeah, mostly like when I watch uh, E3, I'm mostly um, directed towards like Bethesda and, Mm -hmm. um, Basically, whatever my interest is, and it usually doesn't mm-hmm. seem to lie in EA or Sony. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I definitely EA is not like the conference that I'm most excited about for sure, just because it tends to be a lot of their sports titles for the year, which is yeah. like they're hard. There's hardly any change year to year. It feels, uh, and then occasionally you'll get something good, but they they tend to kind of get drowned out. I feel like they're they're being so early, like you know, days before the actual event starts. I feel like a lot of people kind of just forget about EA by the time everything really kicks off. So we'll see what this year, you know, means. But I feel like this is just more uh, confirmation that a lot of the big developers, publishers, companies are moving towards a a smaller video based format like Nintendo does with their directs. Mm-hmm. I feel like they've really nailed that messaging and being able to get through, you know, a number of games in 15, 20 minutes for a lot of those directs. That's perfect because people just want to get the highlights. They don't want to hear, you know, all the backstory of like what this dude's inspiration was for this game, which is great. Some people do like that. It is interesting stuff. But for the vast majority of people, they just want the trailer. They just want to see gameplay and get to the next game. So Sony did that a few years ago, and that was like their big 2016 E3 where they just had like game, 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 game. People are just loving that. Uh, So I think it's it's we're starting to see a shift. Definitely. I mean clearly with Sony backing out this year and uh, we don't quite know what their, what their uh, plans are for E3 timeframe, if they're going to do anything at all, but we'll see. Um, But I do, I do think that, you know, EA dropping the press conference is probably a better thing for them since they haven't really been well received. Yeah. They might be able to do something better. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I know. Yeah. They've been kind of, uh, they've been getting the shit end of it lately. Mm, Yeah. And I wouldn't say it's, I would, I wouldn't say it's entirely like not deserved. Yeah. Like at the same time, I can't help but feel kind of bad. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, we'll see what happens though, but um, they are definitely on a uh, hot one right now with Pex legends. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then equally kind of in the shitter with Anthem. So they're those kind of balance out right now. <laughs> yin, they're yin and yang. Exactly. Yeah, I had I feel like the internally they probably had no idea that it was going to go the way it did. Where yeah. this huge big budget game that BioWare has been working on for years is flopping, and this free to play game that just came out of nowhere with no like huzzah just is taking off and, and has fifty million players now, which is incredible. So oh yeah, that was uh, I mean like that's it's it's like the Fortnite formula basically. Mm-hmm, definitely. 
like yeah. Fortnite. Fortnite was originally going to be like a survival game, and then they just like mm-hmm. threw in the battle royale for the hell of it, and now the battle royale is just it. Yeah, and and they're still updating the save to save the world mode too, which is interesting. But the last I heard on that was that that was going to be free to play last year, and then they pushed it back. So I feel like a lot of people forgot about that aspect, just because most people care about the battle royale side anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, let's head into our feature discussion. So that wraps the news up for the week and let's head into another indie chat. So we are already a couple months into the new year and we've already played quite a few good indie games. Um, The last indie chat, my guests and I spoke about The Messenger, Gris, Enter the Gungeon and more. If you're interested on hearing those thoughts, check out episode 22 of In Your Element. Uh, The first game that I'd like to chat about though today, Travis, is a game that came out last week and that's Ape Out. Yes. This yes. This game was shown last year at a couple events and it looked like uh Hotline Miami but featuring a large ape. Um the game is published by Devolver Digital who seem to be backing some really great games as of late. Uh, my full review for the game was just published on your website Indie Ranger. Uh so give that a look if you're interested in hearing my detailed breakdown of the game. I'll make sure to put the link in the review, or excuse me, the link for the review in the show notes. Um Ape Out is described as Ape Out is a wildly intense and colorfully stylized smash-em-up about a primal escape, rhythmic violence, and frenetic jazz. Build up nearly unstoppable momentum and use your captors as both weapons and shields to crush everyone on your procedurally generated path to freedom. Uh, Travis, you've, you haven't played Ape Out, Ape Out, excuse me, but you've seen video of it, right? Yes. Okay. What's it, your initial thoughts when you saw that game? It, um... Excuse me. It uh, it looks like it just looks like a lot of fun. Honestly, I mm-hmm. see it and it kind of reminds me of a game I played on my switch called uh, Mr. Shifty. I don't know if mm-hmm. you're familiar yeah. with that. One. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just like the top down, like beat shot people aspect of it. Yeah, definitely. And that kind like Mr. Shifty is a lot of fun personally. And yeah. And just seeing how Ape Out seems to be very similar to that. I feel like that's something I'd really be able to get into. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I was actually really interested in picking up Mr. Shifty. And then they had a lot of issues on the switch specifically with like frame rate drops. And there was a lot of uh, bugs that they were encountering early on. Has that been fixed? Yeah, I haven't I haven't followed that game in a while because I I felt like that kind of, uh, you know, deflated the hype on it quite a bit when it came out. Because like I picked it up about I want to say like a month or two ago. And it seemed to work perfectly fine for me. I didn't run into any issues. Good. Well, I'm sure they took care of it because it's been out, I think, on Switch for it came out early last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I'm sure I'm sure they cleaned it up. Awesome. I'll have to jump in and check it out. But yes, if you like Mr. Shifty, uh, then this is going to be right up your alley. So this one is uh, extremely satisfying combat wise. The the big hook on this one is that you don't really have weapons, per se. Mm -hmm. You're uh, you've got the ability to grab or you've got the ability to smash enemies against the wall or into other enemies. Uh, and it's so fluid and so quick that um, you you kind of just run from room to room or area to area, and you're you're not really thinking about what you're going to do. You just do it. Uh, and it's, it's, it's so seamless how everything just moves, and the music plays extremely well with the actual mm. gameplay itself. So the uh, it's like this jazz kind of like yeah. free freestyle jazz music that's playing. Uh, but the best part is as you grab people and throw them and smash them against the wall, when they explode, there's like a cymbal crash. So it's like, 
So you're you're like kind of creating this like symphony of music as you <laughs> like just massacre people, uh, to put it bluntly. So it's yeah. <laughs> it's it's satisfying, <laughs> but it's also like extremely disturbing if you think about like what you're actually doing. Uh, but you know that's kind of the fun of these kind of games that these are like power fantasies where you you're just so overpowered and you kind of just do whatever you want and that's you know what a lot of people look for in games you're oh, not yeah. obviously gonna rampage through it and you know a, a high-rise office building and just massacre people on your own so <laughs> you know why not why not jump into the the shoes or bodysuit of an ape and do it it sounds it, it sounds like a lot of fun i really um i like the art style of it too like it looks yeah. very it's what I'm looking for. It, it seems just like have like a warm color palette to it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. like, I like, I like games that kind of take the approach of like not being like overly colorful, like colors everywhere. Like unless yeah. it's like a, unless it's a game that's supposed to be like really like pretty looking. Mm -hmm. But like, right. I, I do like the minimalistic approach of just like, let's just use like warm colors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And depending on what level you're in, those color palettes do change. So there are levels that have kind of a cooler aspect, but mm. Uh, but it is very like minimal tones and it's very um, it's very contrasty between the actual ape who's always really bright so you can see him. Yeah. And then, you know, the background, which is kind of like a, a, a neutral tone or like a muted tone. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love the art style. It's it's very much like a, it feels like a like a 1960s piece of art, in all honesty. Um, and it has like this film grain um, applied to it that kind of makes it feel like it's a movie that's like running. Yeah. So it, everything feels like it's in motion and it really caters well to the music that's playing with it as well, because it, the, the music's just like upbeat and it's moving as well. And it's like fast paced. Everything is so like well thought out in this game that I, I was like smiling the entire time. It, it's like the moment you pick it up, it, you immediately understand what you're supposed to do. There's no tutorial. There's no learning curve. I mean, you're grabbing enemies or you're throwing them. Um, the only thing that I wasn't sure of was how to actually fire the weapons when I grabbed the people because I saw in the trailers there was a lot of footage where like they were firing multiple shots and most of the people that I was grabbing in the beginning would only fire like one shot yeah. and I was like how do you like make them fire again and then I realized <laughs> there's only certain enemies that can fire multiple times so it depends on what kind of enemy you're grabbing some of them have like a you know like a rifle they can shoot pretty far some have like a shotgun that's got a little bit more spread mm -hmm. to hit multiple enemies. Um, you know, this there's one guy that has like an SMG type gun that just when you grab him, he just gets so scared that he just starts firing all over the place. <laughs> and that's the guy that I think they featured a lot in the trailer. So I was mm -hmm. like, where's that guy? And then I found him. I was like, oh, OK. And so what, like the bullets, they just like hit their friends and stuff. Yeah, so you use them, you literally grab them and turn them against the themselves, um, and it's great. So you there's there's a split second of timing that you have to kind of uh, understand. You'll get it once you start playing, uh, but when you grab them, there's like a split second where you can use the other stick to aim. So it ends up being kind of like a twin stick shooter. You aim them with that other stick where you want their bullet to go, and then they'll fire automatically. Um, and hopefully you hit the person. If not, you just you you know run up with that person in hand and just chuck them at the other person and they explode so you know even if you miss your shot you can still uh have fun there <laughs> eat a motherfucker with another motherfucker that's right man it's it's yeah it is a extremely fun I'm sorry, game is there like a language restriction on this no you're good okay, okay no it's fine we're adults here we can we can do whatever 
but yeah, I, I really did enjoy this. Overall experience was great. Music was great. The graphics were great. Um, the only downside is that it's not very long. It's uh, it's basically split up into like four albums. So like the because it's so heavily influenced by music and jazz, there's like albums that you play through. Um, and each album has a set of tracks on each side. There's like three or four tracks to each side of the record, if you will. Yeah. And those are your levels. So each level breaks down to about like a two minute run if you go through all the way. But you're never going to make it through on your first try. You're going to play these multiple times. So mm-hmm. like each album, I think they show you your total deaths at the end, how many times you died. And like each album, I died anywhere from like 30 to 40 times. So the actual time it takes to get through, you know, both sides of one album would probably be like 45 minutes to an hour. I were to guess uh so overall you're looking at maybe like three four hours for the total campaign so not super long but it is such a contained experience it's extremely well thought out and nothing feels like fluff like it's it's very like they knew exactly what they wanted and they delivered it which is cool um also the game's available on pc as well as nintendo switch so if you've got either platform definitely give ape out a look uh travis i'd like to turn it over to you to you now excuse me what's the first game you'd like to chat about so I, I think I want to talk about Ravenfield. Um, <clears throat> so it, it's just, it's a really fun time. Basically, like, how do I explain it? It's like Battlefield, but single player. Okay. So essentially what it is, is it's like a fully, well, not full. It's a pretty customizable Battlefield. You can like pick the map. You could pick how many ai bots are going to be in this battle and how many you can have like if you have a really powerful pc you could put like hundreds oh wow of people whoa in like one fight yeah yeah and so basically how it is is there's uh i believe three different game modes uh my memory's a little rusty i think it's been about a week since i booted it up but like you know there's your there's your basic like conquest like kill the enemy take over their bases and get points mm-hmm. for that yeah. then you have like a battalion mode where you basically just have to fight each other until you like dwindle their numbers down to zero mm-hmm. and then there's like a spec ops mode where it's like um uh search and destroy type deal mm-hmm. yeah like last like last person standing mm-hmm. and then they also have like a little bit of like a zombies mode but i don't really get too much into that one yeah but what's really what's what's really fun about it is that they have a very um what's i'm looking for a very invested mod community okay nice so there's always these new maps weapons skins for like soldiers and vehicles and weapons and all that mm-hmm. so you can constantly switch it up you could have like halo spartans fighting xenomorphs and oh wow you can get like um you can like replace the tank with like a suit of like battle armor and it, nice. it's it's just like it's something you can jump into if you just want to play something for a little bit mm-hmm. and i i'm pretty obsessed with it i gotta say <laughs> Awesome, man. Um, what's the what's the game's description? How would you describe it? Or I guess what's the developer's description of it? So let me see. They describe it as Ravenfield is a single player battlefield style game. It starts out as an exper- it started out as an experiment with rag dolls and AI and will remain a slightly experimental for fun game project. Walk upon the Ravenfield with your blue allies. Take down those pesky reds using helicopters, guns, cars, and active ragdoll physics. Nice. Yeah, it sounds interesting. Um, so I, I really haven't played too many games that, like, again, I, I don't spend a lot of time on Steam, but I know that Steam is really known for a big modding community. 
Um, and, and a lot of games have support for that, especially yeah. indie games, which is really cool to kind of give new life into these uh, projects, if you will. Mm. Um, how difficult is it to implement some of those mods into the game? So uh, with uh, Ravenfield in particular, they have um, they they use Steam Workshop. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with Steam Workshop. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's just it's it's a very simple modding platform that people mm-hmm. can upload their mods to, and mm-hmm. it's as simple as going and clicking a subscribe button if you see a mod you like. Yeah, and then okay, like when cool. you boot up the game, it'll load into the files, and yeah. you're good to go, really. Oh, nice. So it's it's super easy to go then. Oh yeah, cool. And then like with Ravenfield, there's just like so much you can do. Like, I think my mods are way, way, way too many. Because <laughs> like, yeah, I'll be playing a, a round just because, you know, I got nothing else to do. And yeah. I'm all armed with like fat mans from Fallout. And <laughs> nice. Is there yeah. is there any multiplayer aspect to the game or is it strictly single player? It is strictly single player i don't Mm -hmm. know actually if they're going to implement any kind of multiplayer aspect uh that's something i'd have to probably look into yeah um i know they want to they're working on adding a single player campaign that's like slowly making its way oh nice is the is the game available like in full or is it early access right now it is early access but there is a lot to do in it just even as early access sweet i'll have to take a look yeah, it's it's definitely a fun time and it's worth getting not only for the fact that it's a good game, but also like these the developers behind it are really invested in it and the support would definitely help a long way. Sweet, man. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, next game that I want to chat about is Wargroove. So this game came out recently for Switch, PC and Xbox One. Uh, the game is reminiscent of Advance Wars and Fire Emblem in that it's a turn based grid style strategy with multiple troops. Uh, description for the game is take to the battlefield with Wargroove, a turn-based strategy game for up to four players. Choose your commander and wage war on battling factions using your groove to strategically sway the fight in your favor. Design and share online your very own maps, cutscenes, and campaign stories with easy-to-use editors and in-depth customization tools. <clears throat> so overall, um, I've played a handful of hours of this, probably about three, four hours so far. I'm just kind of diving in. Uh, I got it early when it came out, um, mainly because I was really hungry for uh, a tactic style game. I know we were uh, getting Fire Emblem in June, I believe. um, And after that direct, I was like, man, I just I need to play some tactics based (laughs) stuff right now. And this looks like it's just going to kind of quench my thirst, if you will. So Mm -hmm. um, I hopped into it and I've only played the story aspect so far. So I haven't gotten into any of the customization or any of the multiplayer, which is really where this game shines. I think the campaign is a great way to kind of get you introduced to the mechanics. If you're new to strategy games, they do a great job of introducing you to, um, you know, how to navigate the different troops and what the different um, troops uh, or, or I guess people do, the different abilities. You've got like ranger abilities, you've got knights, you've got, um, you know, everything. They've got tons of stuff. There's like, what are those trebuchets that like launch the, launch oh, yeah, the shit yeah. at people? So there's there's a ton of different types of enemies that you can encounter as well as what you can control. Um, gameplay wise, it's it's a strategy game. It's pretty straightforward. Um, the only thing that I noticed that this doesn't have and I never played Advance Wars, so I don't have a lot of uh, knowledge of how that one worked. But with regards to Fire Emblem, you know how usually there's like a percentage uh, of what your attack will will or will not hit. 
Yeah. Uh, so there's kind of like an RNG aspect to those fights. And you're like, okay, you know, I have a 79% chance of hitting this person. Like, that's okay. I, I'm going to roll the dice on that. And like a lot of times that's make or break for your battle, which is uh, scary. Mm-hmm. Um, this game doesn't have any uh, percentage like fail rate. So it's it's always going to hit 100% of the time, yeah. um, which is kind of a bummer because I, I like the, kind of that RNG aspect of it. This one is mainly just like, your attack's going to do this much and that's it. And you kind of just have to know your placement in the battle. So um, have you ever played Advanced Wars or Fire Emblem or any of those games? I can't say I have. No, Um, the only real, um, I guess you could say like uh, tactical type of game I've really gotten into was uh, Civ 5. Okay. Yeah. I pumped a lot of hours into that one. <laughs> yeah. Nice. But like, yeah, when you're talking about like percentage and stuff, I'm thinking um, in like Civ 5, if you're going to like move a, unit to attack an enemy there's like it'll kind of tell you or predict the outcome of it is that kind of what you're yeah getting at yeah okay yeah um yeah basically it's 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 pretty straightforward combat wise um the story itself is not too exciting like it's pretty it's it's a 20 dollars game and it's mainly there to kind of showcase what you can do i think because the entire campaign was clearly built in their editor which is really cool so they yeah anything that you see on there that you play through you know that you can create that same type of experience for other players uh and this is pretty neat i mean it's i haven't again gone into the actual editor aspect or customization stuff but you can create like cutscenes using all of their assets in the game (laughs) um you can create your own dialogue you can create like whatever you want, and then share that with your friends. You can play multiplayer with your friends as it's set up to four players. Um, you can share this online. And what's cool is it's cross-platform, cross-play. So That's if, pretty if, cool. Yeah, so you can play on PC and create a map and share that with your friend on Switch. And they can play. You can play together. Uh, it's very, very cool. And it works across uh, Switch, PC, and Xbox One, of course, with no issues. And this game is going to be coming later to PlayStation 4. They haven't announced a date yet. Um, I imagine it's potentially with the crossplay issue if, if Sony's going to allow it or not. Mm-hmm. That may be what's holding it up. Um, but a very, very uh, cool game in the sense that you really can play you know, indefinite amount of content, if, if yeah. you will, uh, playing other players' uh, creations, which is kind of cool. So I've seen some player-created stuff online, and, and it looks wild, man. Whenever you put this kind of tools in people's hands, they run with it and they just create some oh, very, yeah, very cool sure. stuff. A lot of it looks more promising than the actual campaign itself, which is <laughs> which is cool. So uh, definitely worth giving that a look. Um, Travis, what's up next for you? So next up on my uh, list is Road Redemption, which is described as lead your motorcycle gang on an epic journey across the country in this driving combat adventure. Earn money by completing races, assassinations, robberies, and other challenges in your path. As you collect loot, you'll upgrade your character, your bike, and your weapons. So this game is just so fucking fun. Nice. It's you're confined to a motorcycle the entire time. But yeah. and like the whole like premise of the campaign is that you there's is like some one of there's like these three gangs, these biker gangs in this like mm-hmm. post-apocalyptic America. Mm-hmm. And one of the leaders gets assassinated and they put out a bounty on the assassin, which you go after because it'll make you and your gang filthy, sneaking rich mm-hmm. <laughs> and kind of like give them the upper hand in whatever gang wars are going on. But yeah. 
it, like that's like kind of like the background of it but like as a game it's just it's it's so fun you're riding through a motorcycle you have like go point a to point b but mm-hmm. you, you you just fuck people up with it yeah <laughs> like like you just you can smack people with shovels, shoot them with guns, yeah, uh, run them off the road, and it's all it's. I I don't really know how else to say it. Like it's just fun. It's so yeah fun. yeah. So is it is it control kind of like a like a racing game just in the sense? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it controls a bit like a racing game. It gets yeah. a little tricky to handle. Like you get used to it eventually, but like using yeah. guns and it can be a little tricky because like you like free aim with it. So yeah. you, like you have to aim while you're driving and like not like run into a wall or something. Oh yeah. But it, it's something you get used to. I'm no good at that. I remember <laughs> like in Grand Theft Auto just trying to shoot outside of the car I would have trouble with. So mm-hmm. this seems like too much to worry about. <laughs> yeah. And like you you're gonna die a lot playing it. But yeah. like, you know, that's the whole roguelike experience, you know? Yeah, so being being that it's a roguelike game, what what aspects do you like retain if you do die? So if you die, you lose the I think you, you lose uh, blah, wow, I cannot English today, but <laughs> you you lose the money you earned and you also lose the perks that you gain throughout that particular run. Mm-hmm. But you kind of like build up these like experience points that you can spend on perks that carry on through different runs. Okay, so that's what's persistent then. Yes. Okay. So like, very you can, cool. Like, yeah, you can like up your damage, up your health, stuff like that, as you keep nice. going on. And yeah, it, it's just it, it's a great experience. I get kind of giddy whenever I play, just because it's so stupid fun. Hmm. What uh, what platforms is this one on? Uh, it is on. I play it on PC. Um, I believe it's also on like just about everything else, like Switch, PS4, Mac, Xbox. Cool. If I'm not mistaken. Sweet. Don't quote cool. me on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I did. I looked it up. It is on all all four okay, platforms. Cool. Well, I guess five if you count the Mac. But yeah, yeah. Steam, Steam, Switch, PS4, and Xbox One. And awesome. One of the funny things is when you die in the campaign the message will pop up be like hey do you like this game let the developer know and then there's a cell phone number attached no to way it. <laughs> yeah so um like i actually I, well i got very curious and thought to see if it works so i shot him a text message nice there you go and i was like the hey. millennial way <laughs> i was like yeah hey i was like hey i just want to let you know i really enjoy road redemption um i saw this number on the screen i wasn't sure if it would work and i actually got a reply and he was yeah? like yeah he was like hey thanks man um you know, and then he kind of like went to the generic, like, yeah, leave a review on Steam and stuff, yada, yada. But like, he, I, I actually got a text back. Like, you know, I slid into the DMs and I won. But dude, that's <laughs> wild. I would think it, you get like a message back that's like, you know, you're you're enrolled with like Jersey Mike's uh, sub club. Uh, you know, <laughs> click here for your coupon. That's cool that it was actually like a, the actual developer, though. Yeah, right. That's awesome, man. What a cool thing. So very personal uh project of his very or, or her whoever uh, developed it very much personal if they are willing to put their number in there that's awesome. oh yeah for sure awesome uh any last thoughts on road redemption um just just get it it's fun it's a good it's a great time <laughs> nice yeah i see uh since it is on switch that might, might might be a good game to play on the go oh also i think they have a skin for the shovel knight in there too Ooh. it's like a, one of the characters you can't lock yeah yeah and they, awesome, have, those, they have a bunch of wacky characters awesome i love those uh like crossover indie mashups that they do mm-hmm. 
Uh, they did that with uh, like Tricky Towers. They had a bunch yeah. of like indie characters come in there too, which is kind of fun to see. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, final game that I want to chat about is another game that I your site, Travis, and that's Lucid Dream. Um, again, I've got a full review over on Indie Ranger. If you wanted to hear more about the game as well as my full impressions, uh, link will be in the show notes for that one as well. So this game is described as Lucid Dream is a thrilling story about the adventures of little Lucy. Painfully experienced by fate, the girl wanders the colorful dream worlds in search of help for her sick mother. For a girl chained to a wheelchair, this is, o- this is the only chance to get rid of physical limitations and achieve the desired goal. During the game, we will get to know a number of incredible characters inhabiting surreal- surrealistic lands, and we will face dozens of challenging puzzles. Thanks to the world, the wonderful, hand-drawn graphics, each dream world is a unique atmosphere additionally enhanced by a dedicated musical setting. Delving into the story of Lucy, it is impossible not to shed tears. Held in suspense and full of unexpected twists, history will will be remembered for you long after Lucid Dream is finished. So uh, my takeaway from this game is uh, it is a point-and-click adventure, uh, which are very reminiscent of my childhood. I played a lot of those on PC when I was younger. Um, Did you ever get into like point-and-click adventures? I'm trying to think. I know there was one. There, there was one in my childhood, mm-hmm. and I, for the life of me, cannot remember what it is. Do you remember those like pajama Sam games or anything, or is that like I'm past your like, time? It might be past my time. I, for some reason, I can't but think the game I'm thinking of is like a uh, Curse of Monkey Island. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like one of the best ones, and I've yeah. actually never played that game. That's a that's a Lucas Arts game, isn't it? I believe so. I have a very dwindling memory of what exactly the game was that I played, but I'm pretty sure it was that one. Yeah. Well, those are that's like one of the better ones uh, from the point and click genre. But uh, but yeah, this game is a point and click adventure. So you're you know, you're going to be navigating with just really just the mouse um, moving the character Lucy around as you solve different puzzles on the screen. Um, some of these games are really hit or miss, though, when it comes to the mm-hmm. puzzle design and this one there was more issues I found with the actual puzzle mechanics than I would have liked to see. Um, a lot of the times you're clicking on different items in there, you're like putting it into your inventory and you're supposed to use that item to solve another puzzle. But because this game is so bizarre and like it really is like a surreal experience, it feels like a surrealist kind of art style in, in all honesty with a lot of things, just weird animals that are like, not how they should be and just weird stuff in the background and foreground. So a lot of the times the the puzzle mechanics are relying on these like bizarre items that you have. And you're supposed mm. to like connect the dots to use that stuff. And I'm like, how in the world would you ever know to put this to this? Um, and even even worse, they have you combine items at times to use uh, for solving a puzzle. So a lot of the times I was like, OK, I'm stuck. Uh, what am I going to do? I'm going to just click on everything in my inventory, try and place it in the world and see if it works. And if not, I'm going to try and combine everything in my inventory and then place it in the world and see if it works. And so that's not fun when you're trying to just like, you know, solve a puzzle via brute force, if you will. Yeah. So I, um, I fall into that trap a lot, but I also mm-hmm. kind of suck at puzzle games. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not like terrible at puzzle games, but uh well, it's like, definitely like, it, it, you know, you have to think outside the box on yeah. some some of these things, which is like, that's intentional. They they don't want to have everything be like, oh, uh, this is clearly like a square. <laughs> this goes into the square socket. Yeah, like they, they there's definitely a level of a difficulty with a lot of puzzle games. But 
this one seemed like it was like a little too out there. Like you really Mm -hmm. just had to know like the developer, what they were thinking (laughs) when they designed it to really solve that puzzle efficiently. Um, Yeah. I might've been exaggerating a little bit. I I know there are definitely, I have my moments in puzzle games where like, it's like, I don't know what to do. And then I look up and there's that there, there, there it is. Yeah. Sometimes it just takes like walking away and coming back. And then you're like, it's right there. You know? Yeah. Like you spend a half hour searching a room and then all you have to do is look up at like something on a ceiling fan or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So the overall story of the game was like, it was intriguing in the beginning and I was like, Oh, this is, kind of cool it's kind of spooky she's like trying to find her mom and she's like traveling into these dream worlds and then there's like a lot of uh, like mechanics not mechanics but like story-wise there's a lot of different things that get introduced like time travel and like alternate universes and stuff and i was like this is way too much for a like like a puzzle like point and click adventure game (laughs) like this this is like next level storytelling but like not in a good way they didn't they didn't deliver it like uh as well as i think they could have so yeah I feel like the story overall was like it was okay, but it's kind of forgettable. There wasn't a lot of like I wasn't invested in the actual story as much as I was like, I just want to see the different environments because they really were like beautifully done, um, hand drawn and and everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, the characters and stuff were were interesting, but uh, and the sound was also great. The, the music was was great. They had like a the very beginning of the game kind of opened up and, and their like uh, title screen had like a ring around the rosy like remember that that song from oh, your childhood yeah. they had like a weird creepy rendition of that and i was like is this game gonna be scary like i, I <laughs> i'm i'm a little scared by the game but it, it really wasn't it was just uh it was just trying to kind of get set the mood i guess yeah uh but yeah overall i would say it was it was fine it's definitely not the worst game i've played uh i think i gave it a 68 which is like not terrible but yeah you know for for a, a short like you know it's above average yeah, four or five hour like puzzle experience. It wasn't it wasn't the worst. I definitely think that just the art style carries a lot of that game, which is uh, a testament to the artists who, who drew all that because it was very good looking. Um, they do they do give you like a little hint book too in the game, which is kind of nice. I relied on that heavily for a lot of these obscure puzzles. They give you like this little diary and like um, you have like a basically a hint that you can use if you get stuck and it kind of points you in the right direction it doesn't solve the puzzle but it tells you kind of what to do in a in a roundabout way yeah um but once you use a hint then it like unlocks the next one and there's like a timer like a countdown timer like a cooldown basically so you can't just spam that hint book and get to the end they like make you work on it for uh, at least two minutes i think mm-hmm. and then then they'll give you the answer if you need it so it's nice they kind of try to hold your hand but it's even so like revealing those um clues don't don't even really get you to the answer sometimes or yeah so and it's always nice that they try you know <laughs> yeah for sure so uh not not a not a bad game by any means but definitely mm-hmm. uh you know if, if you're looking for a new point click adventure and you've played through all of the good ones uh this one is is worth a shot cool well uh that's it for the episode travis i want to thank you for joining me today on the show yeah of course it was it was a fun time Awesome, man. I appreciate you sharing some of those experiences uh, with those games. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can folks find you online if they want to follow your work? So you can find us at our website, IndieRanger.com. Uh, we're also on social media, Facebook, Twitter. Um, our Twitter is at IndieRanger. And we're also on Instagram, but we mostly just kind of like share uh, other people's content, like indie game content. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if, if that's kind of thing you're into, go to us on Instagram. Yeah, sounds good. 
Um, once again, if you have any gaming related questions you'd like to ask me, either tweet at me at IYE podcast or email me at the email address. Hello at in your element podcast.com. I'll answer your questions on the next episode. If you enjoy the podcast, consider visiting patreon.com slash in your element and supporting at the $1 level or above to receive all future episodes early and ad free. Gain a Patreon exclusive role in the In Your Element Discord server where you can hang out and chat with myself and other elementalists. Be eligible for giveaways, attend patron hangouts, and more. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast service you consume the show on and leave a review if you enjoy the content. Until next time, see you later, elementalists. 